0: In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 31, it says, For their rock is not like our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. And then in Luke chapter 15, we have the story of the prodigal son, one that many of you may be familiar with. But it says, Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before You, and I am no longer worthy to be called Your Son. Make me like one of Your hired servants. Lord Jesus, speak to us today. Draw us in close to You, God. May our worship to You fill this house as You have filled this house. And Lord, continue to fill and fill hearts and lives. We ask this in the name of Jesus. You may be seated. The story here that we refer to as the prodigal son is a story that Jesus told. It was a young man, there was a couple brothers and the young man wanted to go ahead and get on with his life. And he needed some money to do that. And his dad had everything that he needed. I want you to understand that God has everything that you need. But the young man that we refer to as the prodigal son got some things twisted around and and began to view life and rearrange priorities. And and if I could say, he began to make some other gods in his life. And so he came to his father and he said, "Will you go ahead and just give me my inheritance? Will you go ahead and give me what's mine? And the father, you know it had to hurt his heart. Why? Because you don't get an inheritance from your father until the father dies. And he said, okay, here's everything that's yours. Oh, church, our Father in heaven put on humanity and he came to a cross And He bore stripes on His back. And He took a crown of thorns on His head. And He was hung there. And He died. And a spear pierced His side. Oh, why that you might live. And our Father came. And He filled you with His Spirit. And you were baptized in His name in that water. And when He did this to you, He washed away your sins. You who had been in trespasses. You who had not lived right. You, as Paul would say, such were some of you. You, and yet he purchased you. And you have an inheritance incorruptible. But don't take your inheritance as this young man did. And say, okay, look at everything I have. Look at the freedom that I have and the life that I have. And and I'm just going to go live the way I want to live. But that's what he did. And he had a great time and he had friends and he was like, this is the life. And yet, you got to say that God in His kindness and in His goodness, not because God ever owes it, allowed him then to lose everything that he had and end up in the pig pen. He couldn't even digest. His body couldn't digest the food that the pigs would eat. But he was at such a state, and he's like, if I could just eat that, I would. And that's when his senses came to him. And as he sat in that pig pen, he said, there's food in my father's house. There's bread enough and to spare. Look where I'm at. But I remember that the Father has everything that I need. Everything that I need. This story echoes to me of Deuteronomy chapter 32. Moses has led the children of Israel through the wilderness for 40 years. For 40 years he's been with them and their shoes didn't wear out and bread fell from heaven. In those 40 years, Moses had the the sorrow of when they were going to enter into the promised land and then the children of Israel sinned and and they doubted God and they said, Can God really do this for me? Can, can Can He take care of these giants? And they were filled with doubt and as a result they wandered for 40 years. Moses was with these people when God gave him the word from heaven and that word came down and and while God was giving him the word, they decided to go ahead and make those calves. The first calves. And they built these calves and they began to worship. And when you get involved in sin, you lose your mind. The children of Israel got out there and they begin to worship a God who could do nothing for them. And they danced like crazy and they, 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 they stripped themselves of their clothes and they were like people that you would not recognize. That church is what sin will do to you. Uh, I don't know. I, I know many people out there that you knew them and they were great people. And they, they're smart and sharp people. But they get so fixated in their predicament, in their trouble, and they get down into the depths of sin, and you meet them, and you're talking to them, and suddenly it's like all their intelligence is gone. They, 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 you're like, what? What happened to them? And, and and sin begins to destroy their life. But when you see them come to Jesus, sometimes their minds, a li- their brains, just a little bit burned by some drugs, and and, and sometimes you're like. There's some things that that God sometimes comes in and He completely wipes it out. And sometimes, sometimes there's some leftovers, right? But one thing I have seen always is that when they get into the presence of God, He begins to bring life into them, life in this world. He, He begins to feed them. To clothe them. To to bring sanity back. And people go, what happened to them? That's because nobody else can do it like our God can. Oh, hallelujah. Can we give him a hand clap? So Moses was with these people when God gave them miracles. When they crossed the Red Sea and it was divided and the enemies were swamped and buried. Moses was with them when the sun and the moon uh, um, stood still, and, uh, or, and when Moses raised his hands, and the battle went on, and I always got to make sure I don't get the Joshua and the Moses stories wrapped around each other, but he, they held his arms up, and, and the battle raged on, and while Moses stood there, the, they won the battle, and the people fought. Moses was also there when the people doubted, and they, they were wanting to get rid of him, and, and then the ground opened up, and, and swallowed, and... Moses was with them in blessing and in trial. And after 40 years, Moses gets done reteaching them and teaching them the book of Deuteronomy. And the last thing he's going to do is bring to them a song. And this song has echoed throughout Israel's history from this point forward. It echoes through the story of the prodigal son. And I want it to echo into your life today. Because Moses begins to tell them about how God loved them. And it's, it's in um, Deuteronomy chapter 32. I am not going to read the whole song. But I'm going to highlight some parts. And verse 10, it says, He found them in a desert land, and in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him, he instructed him, he kept him as he as the apple of his eye, as the eagle stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, spreading out its wings and taking them up, carrying them on its wings, so the Lord alone led him. And there was no foreign God with him. Oh, God found him in a desert land. God kept him. God raised him. This is what he did for Israel. Oh, and such were some of you. And God found you, and he raised you, and he kept you. And what God did for you, he wants to do for somebody else in the desert land. He wants to do it for your husband. He wants to do it for your wife. He wants to do it for your parents. And He wants to do it for your children. He wants to do it for your friends. And He wants to do it for your enemies. He wants to nurture them. He wants to raise them. He wants to give them a new heart. He wants to give them a new mind. He wants to nurture them. You say, my enemies, my enemies. I'm talking about those right now that in their blindness are used by the devil to attack you. They are still a soul. Created in the image of God. And God loves them. And he wants to deliver them from the enemy and power of sin. And to take off the blinders of darkness. And give them the same marvelous light that he's given you. That's what he wants to do. But... As I've reiterated the story here of the good times and the bad. Moses, in this closing song, this is something as we sing worship here. You know when we sing wor- when we worship, Bishop gets up, I get up, J- Jeremy gets up, uh, we preach, Trevor gets up, um, Danny gets up, we preach to you, and you hear the preached word. but when you sing the songs, it's another way that you're communicating the word. In worship. It rings in your heart. It's something that you carry with you during the week. When you're at home and those songs begin to bubble up. I want to encourage you to sing the songs. And to sing songs that come directly from the Word of God. Don't don't sing distorted songs. When you hear those songs that, that speak the truth. You sing them. Sing them in your trouble. Sing them in your discouragement. God is going to pick you up. That's why we have the Book of Psalms. That, those were things that they 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 were able to relate to. We see all the stories but now you see people coming out and they have their song. And these songs echoed through the ages. Uh, even in praying with uh, um, one of you today, I, I whispered in your ear that Jesus said on the cross, My God, My God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? That came from the Psalms. Written for a time in the future. And not just there, but for you also. Oh, that's just exciting. Has anybody ever felt like you've been forsaken by God? You know you can tell him that? Because God in his humanity said that. And if he felt down, and extremely down in that case, you feel down, go ahead and tell him. Go ahead and say, this is where I'm at, God. I I don't even know where you're at. And and why does it seem like the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. What's going on here? Oh, but then you can begin to end the story. My help cometh from the Lord. Oh, I look to the hills from where my help comes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so he first tells us, Moses says, hey, you need to get this song. Why? Because he found you and he raised you. But then it says, but Jeshurun, verse 15, grew fat and kicked. You grew fat and you grew thick. You are obese. Those are pretty blunt words. I'm coming from the New King James Version today. Um, Then he forsook God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. Oh, what happened here? He was like the prodigal. My place of refuge over here. I don't want it anymore. I've had a really good life. And I'm going out over here. And he, he scorned the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods. With abominations they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons, not to God. Can you imagine singing that song in church today? Brother Trevor? I'm really glad actually you didn't lead us in this song. But what is Moses saying? When you sing your song, God saved you. Oh, but Israel, when you sing your song, you also left him. You were people saved by God. And and Bishop, as you said earlier, it wasn't just maybe you. He's talking to people who, who were born in the wilderness but it was your ancestors. It's the continuing story. You know, we were great, but we were also bad. We, we did well, but we also did wickedly. And you know what? God is a jealous God. God, you're, you're His people, and you're the sheep of His pasture. And there is no way That he in infamy is going to continue to bless you and pour himself out and say, oh, just have everything. Uh, uh, When you're doing wickedly against him, when you're sinning and living for false idols. In fact, if God allows you to live happy and free in the world, you better be shaken. Oh God, don't let me live in delusion. Why? Because revelation and delusion come from the same place. So you better say, God, when I end up in the pig pen, let my mind come back to me. Oh, God, take me to the pig pen if I stray from you. God, don't let me live happy and free in the world. God, shake my senses. Verse 28 says, For they are a nation void of counsel, nor is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise and they understood this. Oh, they would consider their latter end. Mm. You guys know that scripture, one puts a thousand to flight and two puts ten thousand? Now, I've always thought of that just in the encouraging way. You're going to go get them. You're going to win the battle. And you are. But you know what it says right here? It says, how could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight? Unless their rock had sold them. How could you be defeated by the enemy and be knocked down and drug out and unless your rock had sold you, unless the God of your salvation had said, fine then, you go and live that life. You know what? My blessings are off you. I'm letting the enemy come in. He's going to destroy you because when you're living for God, you will put a thousand to flight. Two will put ten thousand to flight. Oh, I got some encouragement out of that right there. Yeah. My expectation changed just a little bit. Yeah. Instead of me thinking, you know what, God? We're with you. We're, you know, we're getting prayer. <laughs> right? It's like the football team on the football field right before. They jump up and down in the, in, in the Huskers. They played Michigan State this last weekend, and they put out their promo video, and they're like, we're taking you to the woodshed and all that. You know, we almost won that game. When I looked, yeah, I know it wasn't Almost. Um, but when I looked out there on the field, I was like, this doesn't look like a woodshed moment. This looks like you tried to intimidate an enemy. You try- I know the Huskers, it's football, okay, it's not enemies. But, but it looks like you tried to intimidate your opponent. And suddenly your opponent can play too. Oh, hear me, the enemy, he likes to shake you. And he likes to put you to fear. And then sometimes you get into church here and you're like, I, I, think, I think, Bishop, I think we could win the battle. No, 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 I'm going to speak in faith. We are going to win the battle. Are we going to win the battle? No, we're going to win it. And we pray. And your prayer now becomes more of the pre-football game. Jump up and down. Psych myself up for the week. Oh, hear me. You don't need to psych yourself up. How could you not put a thousand to flight? Or two put ten thousand to flight? Except your rock had forsaken you. Because when you're with the rock, you can't be defeated. Hear me. When you're with the rock, you can't be defeated. So you ask me then, well, what about my struggle and trial if I'm living for God? You know what? James brought this out. And he was talking to them because they were like, hey, what? we're being chased about. We're being persecuted. We don't, it's on every hand. We must not be living for God. And he told them, hey, you're right where you need to be. You know what you become like? You become like the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. And when you're in that fiery furnace and and you're taking a stand for God and you're saying, I'm being persecuted, has God left me? Or are you right where God wants you to be so he can display his glory both in your life and to others? So I want to urge you today, when you're living for God and trouble comes, trust him because no trouble that comes into your life has overpowered God. The cross never overpowered Jesus. He willingly gave Himself. He battled it out in the garden, and that's what you need to do at the altar. It's not my will, Lord, but Your will be done. Not my will, Lord, but Your will. And then in your problems and circumstances, you need to worship Him saying, God, I'm gonna worship You no matter what. No matter the problem or the situation. I'm gonna give You glory over my problem that's why the three Hebrew children stood there they would not bow they wouldn't bow and what were they saying in that moment they, they said hey our God is able but if not our God is able oh what's that like a um, kick in the teeth to the devil here you know what I don't know how my situation is gonna turn out God hasn't told me but my God is able to do anything And if he decides not to, I still won't bow. That's what Job did. Job questioned everything on every side. He wondered what's going on here. But he would not curse God. No matter what, he was a testimony that even when I don't understand it, one day I'm going to see him. Oh, I, I don't get it but I've made a commitment to God. And if I'm in this moment, it's because He allowed it. Not because you have authority over me, but because God reigns supreme and I will not bow. I won't bow. So why couldn't they put 1,000 to flight or two put 10,000? It was because they had, God had forsaken them because they had forsaken God. Oh, but now I want you to get this part. It's the verse, it's the verse we had started out. We end here in verse 30, and I want to move to verse 31. Because you have a choice to make. God just gave a description of the people of Israel that wasn't very pretty. It was a people tore up in sin, a people who had forsaken God... A people who had rebelled and rejected him. They, it's a people that are in a pig pen. So what are you going to say in the pig pen? What is going to be your view of God? You know, God looked down on the children of man and he saw the wickedness and the sin and he said, I can't take this. I'm going to wipe the earth out with a flood. I'm done. I'm going to destroy it. That's what God was seeing. But what was Noah's view of God? I love this passage because he looks up and in the King James it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now I know that God had mercy and grace on Noah. But I, look, I see Noah standing here and he looks up and his eyes figuratively connect with God's eyes. And in this messed up world, messed up condition, he, he says, oh, he sees a God's, that has grace Oh Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord so I want to know what is your view of God when you understand your condition I want to take that one step further because when God forgave you of your sins and you were baptized in his name your past was buried when he filled you with his spirit all of those things you did were no more next When you have come, not just at this place, but in your home, at your bedside, in your car, and you've cried out to God and you've repented. You've been sorry. After he's filled you with his spirit, years down the line, you said, God, I am so sorry. I want to change. All of those things were taken care of as well. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Your sins are buried. So if God doesn't see them, oh, but Sister Melissa, I'll just pick on you for a moment. The enemy comes over, and he's like, ha, ha look at you. And you may not recognize it's the enemy, but he's, he's picking at your mind. And he's telling you stuff, and he's whispering in your ear. And you get this onslaught, and all you begin to see is how worthless you are. And I'm not saying you're worthless, but, but can anybody relate to this? Has anybody begin to hear those voices and begin to repeat them in your mind? Oh, look at me, I'm nothing. Look, look what I did against God, I'm worthless. Uh, uh, you know, I, I have no right. I have no, of course, I have no right, but He loves me and believes in me. And those things begin to bombard your mind and you see how horrible you are or how horrible you were. What is your response going to be? Is it going to be to say, man, look at us, we're a mess. What is it going to be? Or is it going to be the verse that the children of Israel have right here, verse, verse 31? Because we see these words that says, How could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight unless their God had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them? So in their moment, at their lowest place, what do they say? For their rock is not like our rock. You know what happened in the pig pen? There was a child of Israel that said, Hold on, I'm beat down. I'm knocked out. I forsook God. But my rock is not like their rock. Oh, the way the world lives its life, oh, it doesn't compare to what God has for me. Oh, the joy unspeakable and full of glory, the provision, the restoration, the peace in the middle of the storm, the peace through the storm. Oh, our rock is not like their rock. Oh, when I got a hold of Jesus, nothing compares to Him. The the New International Version says, For their rock is not like our rock, and even our enemies concede. I I want you to grasp this. You're the man in the pig pen. You're the prodigal son. Or maybe you're just there in your mind. that The enemies tried to take you back there. And you look around and you say, You know what? This world really can't save me. There's nothing. I, we, we, I, I've echoed through my, my sermons a lot. The last two years, we have seen the world try to be God and make every effort they can. And I'm not putting them down for making vaccines or any of those, some of that stuff and taking some actions. They're government. They're supposed to be some level of responsibility, right? But they will fail every time. Because their God is not like our God. Their rock is not like our rock. Oh, we, we have a hope that goes beyond hope. It's a hope that carries on for eternity. Oh, we have a sure foundation. And when your senses come to yourself and you say, wait a second, what am I doing here? Oh, there's better bread in my father's house. Oh, the rock there is greater than anything else out here. Why did I trade the world for it? And then that son said you know what I can't go ask and be restored to sonship why could I ever ask that but I've got to get back and I'm just gonna see if I could just be a servant why he had something that rolled up inside of him and said that is the place I should have always been I should have been there because that rock is not like that rock Why did I ever go over here? Why did I ever forsake God? Why did I ever look down on the rock of my salvation? There's no rock like that rock. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's no rock like that rock. And something changes in the song. Because when the children of Israel now progress... In their circumstance, it is their response. And I want to ask you, what is your response today? Is your response going to be to declare the glory of God and to elevate Him above all other rocks? Because when you begin to elevate Him, He begins to step back into your situation. And He turns to that enemy and He says, No more. No more. Get your hands off my children. They've come home. There's bread in the father's house. There's a coat in the father's house. There's a place at the table and there's a ring in the father's house. This is what the father did for the prodigal. He put the ring on his finger. He put his coat on him. He gave him his authority. He set him at the table. Oh, he said, you're not going to be a servant. You're my son. Oh, and so when you begin to recognize and I'm going to be bringing this to a close, musicians, musicians, But he says, for the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants. Verse 36, when he sees that their power is gone. I I read over this, their power is gone. (laughs) And there is no one remaining bond or free. What, What is he saying? When God sees that you no longer elevate the gods of this world above him. When God sees that you've now come to your senses. And you're making that walk back towards home. When he sees that, that your response is there's no rock like our rock. What is he going to do? The Lord will have compassion on his servants. Verse 39 says, Now see that I, even I, am he. And there is no God besides me. I kill. You know what? God, even me, when I left you and I was down and out. Yes, But he says, and I make alive. Oh, I love it. You know what God does? He he puts the darkness before the light. He says, I kill and I make alive. Oh, I tear you down and I knock you out. I get a hold of your sin, sin sick soul and I shake you and I say, return to me. Oh, but when you turn to me, I make alive. I wound and I heal. That nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. What, I am God, and I am God alone. And when you forsake me, I'm going to get into your life and try to bring you back. And when you come back, I'm going to heal you, and I'm going to make you alive. Why? Well, I'm going to tell you, Jesus, because there's no rock like our rock. There's no God like our God. And so then he ends the song by calling to all nations to you and I. He says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with His people, for He will avenge the blood of His servants and render vengeance to His adversaries. He will provide atonement for His land and His people. Can we give Him a hand clap? So we're going to stand to our feet, and we're going to close out with worship today. But I want to tell you, what do I get from this song? When you're faced with your failure, when you're faced with your past, when you're faced with your faults, when you're faced with your sin, whether it's sin that you're even living in in the moment or things that the enemy wants to bombard your mind with, you know what you need to do? You need to do like all those that went before us did and you need to elevate God. You elevate Him when you repent because you're saying, no more, I can't do those things. And then you elevate Him by recognizing who He is. And so I'm not accusing anybody out here today of being in sin, okay? You know where you're at with God. You know the conviction God's placed on your heart. But I am telling you that You have things that run through your mind and you see yourself as nothing. And yeah, in and above yourself, you're not. But you have elevated other things in your life, whether it's fear or discouragement. Or you've looked at yourself and said, oh, I'm just a terrible person. You've listened to the lies that's bombarded you. But today I wanna change your song. And I want you to respond with, there's no rock like our rock. There's no God like our God. I don't care if you're the three Hebrew children in the fire. I don't care if you're Daniel's servant in the the, the king's house that took you captive. Oh, I don't care if you're Mordecai at the gate. I don't know where you're at. I don't care if you're David and you're on the run. Oh, I want you to elevate him. I want you to sing to him. I want us to give him glory because there's no rock like our rock.